passage of Scripture, because as I mentioned earlier and then in the prayer about encouragement, I mean, what a, a great example and testimony is that just the role of being a mother, uh, so much of it is about encouragement, isn't it? About encouraging your children. And uh, what we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at a different perspective of these two people uh, that we see in our passage. We're going to look at what it means to be an encourager in the church. You know, we've talked a lot about the early church, right? We're going through the book of Acts. You see it up there on the screen. We've been talking about the church that is on mission. It's an unstoppable mission that the church is on. We've been learning all about the early church in Acts, right? And uh, many months ago, we also went over and went through the book of Ephesians, which Paul was writing to the young church, inspiring them and encouraging them about who they are in Christ and that they are the church. Remember, this building is not the church. It's a church building, but we are the church. We should always remember that. But here what we see in our passage for this morning, we've gotten to that passage that talks about Paul and Barnabas, this team, this missionary team. And there's a little issue that they have, so we're going to read it and see it, and then we're going to see what this means for, for the disciple Barnabas. We're going to see some really interesting applications for us about what does it mean to be an encourager of others because Barnabas was one who was gifted with encouragement. So you're going to see that this morning. And so I'm going to read through the passage and then talk a little bit about Barnabas to kind of give you a little bit more of a background. We've touched on him through Acts, of course, because we met him way back in Acts chapter 4. But we're going to, um, we're going to look at some aspects of Barnabas's actions in the early days of the church and what we can glean from them and how do we apply it to ourselves, all right? We have a lot of scripture to cover, and so you can look in your own uh, Bibles, of course, but they're all going to be up on the screen for you as well, so we can get to all of them. But here I want to read for you the passage that we're at now in Acts. It's chapter 15, and it's verses 36 to the end. But then we're going to continue into chapter 16 up to verse 5. All right? So it's Acts 15, 36, all the way to chapter 16, verse 5. And it just uh, remind you of where we are in the timeline of things. Paul and Barnabas went on their first missionary journey. We covered that, 13 and 14 of Acts. They came back to Antioch. They gave a report, right? It was the very first missions trip ever. They came back to report about the success that it was. And uh, Paul then wrote the letter of Galatians to all those churches. mentioned that last time. And now what we see is Paul and Barnabas decide it's time to go out again. They're going to go on their second mission trip, their second missionary journey. But there's a little issue they have to deal with first. So that's where we are now. Starting in verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas, he wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him. He sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Then chapter 16. So Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of <clears throat> excuse me, by the brothers at Lystra <clears throat> and Iconium. So Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. 
And he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So before we focus on Barnabas, just to sort of recap what's going on here, again, they decide, Paul and Barnabas, to go back out. Paul says to his friend Barnabas, hey, let's go on our second journey. Let's go back to those churches and encourage all of them. I just wrote them a letter, but let's go back and let's uh, bring more people into the fold, right, into the kingdom. And so Barnabas says, great idea. Let's bring Mark with us. And Paul says, hold up. Mark actually happens to be Barnabas's cousin. You remember he's telling Barnabas basically like, Mark was with us in the first leg of our first journey, but then he deserted us. I don't know if you remember that, but that's what happened. It doesn't say why. But Scripture says that Mark was with them at the beginning of their first journey, but then he kind of abruptly left and he went back to Antioch and then back to Jerusalem. And it doesn't say why. We can kind of speculate why. But Paul kind of took offense to that. Paul took offense to that. And so Paul is remembering. So Barnabas says, yeah, let's go back out. We'll take Mark with us again. And Paul says, no. Paul says, no. And he said, it thought, it says, he thought best not to take the one with them who had withdrawn from them and not gone down the work. So Paul, as we know, is a very zealous leader in the church, right? He's very passionate for his work for the Lord. He just wants to go. He's very focused. And he says, this guy, Mark, he deserted us before. We're not bringing him out again. You know, one strike and you're out. And we're just going forward. We're not bringing him again. But it says, Barnabas wanted to bring him. So in verse 39, explains what happens. It says, there arose a sharp disagreement. Even to the point, they didn't reconcile at that, at that moment they went their separate ways. So actually, there was two missionary journeys that started. But Barnabas did take Mark with him, and they went this away. And then Paul decided to take Silas, another follower of Christ, with him, and they went that away. See, they went separate ways because they couldn't agree, Paul and Barnabas, should they take Mark or shouldn't they? So we're going to look at that more in a moment about Barnabas's decision. But then in verse 16, in chapter 16, which is really what we're going to focus on next time, next week, we meet Timothy. We meet Timothy for the first time. And it basically just says that he was there, he was a disciple, he was in, um, he was in one of those cities, and uh, it says that he wa- his mom was Jewish, but his father was Greek, so they knew that he wasn't circumcised. And Paul wanted to have a, you know, a good um, reputation and a good testimony before the Jews that they were going to share the gospel with. So he said, Timothy, you need to get circumcised. Now, I can just imagine that conversation because Timothy was, you know, a young adult. And Paul says, you got to be. And so it, all it says is that Paul went and circumcised him. Okay? We'll leave that discussion for another time. But that's what happened. And so uh, we'll pick up on more about Timothy and then Paul's relationship with Timothy. Because you see, Paul and Barnabas were together and Barnabas was a great encouragement to Paul but then Paul decided to go his own way he went with Silas but then he meets Timothy and then we know from reading other scriptures that Paul then invests in Timothy right as sort of his protege and so it continues on disciples making disciples but for this morning we want to focus just on the end of of chapter 36 and specifically on this fact that Barnabas chose Mark Paul said no We have a lot of respect for Paul and his work for the Lord. But Barnabas says yes, even to the point where he says, I'm going to go separately from you, Paul, and I'm bringing Mark. So here's what it tells us in general about Barnabas. Barnabas truly was a person of encouragement. We know that when we met him in Acts 4, it says that he was called Son of Encouragement. you remember that? That's his nickname. See, Barnabas is not his real name. His real name is Joseph. That's his given name. But the disciples, they tended to have nicknames. Remember Jesus called uh, the sons of Zebedee, I think it was, sons of Thunder, 
right? It was like they had nicknames for them. We all have nicknames, don't we? Like people give us nicknames. Sometimes in school you get a nickname and it's one you don't want, right? (laughs) And sometimes it's hard to kind of live that down. Husbands and wives, we give each other nicknames. Some of them we don't want to share in public, but you know, we all have nicknames, you know, and it kind of, normally those nicknames say something about our character. It says something about who we are, things that we normally do, ways that we normally act, right? That's why we, we might get a nickname. And so the disciples nicknamed Joseph, they called him Barnabas, because that name simply means son of encouragement. It means encouragement, or one who is a helper, a counselor, an advocate, an encourager. That's really what it means in the Greek. And so he truly is a son of encouragement. And so it shouldn't be surprising to us that Barnabas is basically saying, Paul, I am willing to give Mark a second chance. Yes, he may have deserted us on the first shot, but we're going to give him a second chance. Of course, Paul just said no, and he went, nope, and he left. But Barnabas was a man who loved to encourage the church, encourage others. See, so Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he decides to take Mark with him. Why? We're going to see a few different reasons. But because, did he feel sorry for him? Maybe. Want to give him a second chance? Yeah. But he obviously saw something in Mark. That Mark was probably a little desperate, distraught, like maybe discouraged. So here comes the son of encouragement. He says, Mark, you just picture him putting his arm around him. Cousin, I'll take you. We'll go again. We'll give you a second chance. And what's awesome about that, if we skip ahead, what a blessing that was to the church. Because don't we have a gospel written by Mark? Right? And so because of Barnabas being a son of encouragement and seeing something in Mark, giving him a second chance, we have a beautiful gospel that is laid out. One of the four gospels of the whole life and teaching ministry of Christ written by this very Mark. But here he was, sort of just on the sidelines, not knowing if he was going to get a second chance, and Barnabas, the son of encouragement, gives him a second chance. But here's what I want to do. I want to kind of go through this quickly, some basically a review of what we know about Barnabas from passages in Acts, what we've known uh, already, to see different ways that he was an encouragement to the church. Because here's the interesting tie-in, right? Where else do we see, especially in the Gospel of John, this word that means advocate or counselor or helper? Who's it normally talked about? The Holy Spirit. What's so cool is that it's the same basic word in Greek. It's a derivative of that same word, Barnabas, son of encouragement, that nickname. That word for encouragement is the basic same word, paraclete or parakletos, which means helper, counselor, advocate, encourager. Right. So when Jesus talks about how it's so important. Do you remember when he told his disciples that I need to leave? And his disciples are like, where are you going? We want to go with you. And he says, you can't come with me. He's trying to tell them, it's better that I go to be with the Father so I can leave you with the paraclete, the helper, the Holy Spirit. It's the same word given. And simply why? Because the disciples, all of Barnabas' brothers and sisters in the Lord, they saw something in him and gave him a nickname, son of encouragement, because it was so obvious that he had that gift of the Holy Spirit. Encouragement is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. you know that? It's listed in the Romans list, in Romans 12, I believe. And so it's listed in there, and it is listed as the gift of exhortation or encouragement. And so all of Barnabas's brothers and sisters in the Lord and the church, they recognize that. And they said, here is a guy who just naturally loves to encourage others. And so they gave him that nickname, the son of encouragement. It's the same word that's used to talk about the Holy Spirit. Look at John 14, 26. It says, but the helper, the advocate, the comforter, right? The helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So that word for helper, in different versions, it's used advocate, it says comforter, right? It says helper. It's all from that that one uh, Greek word, parakletos, we get the word paraclete, paraklesis, depending on what verse, you know, what um, tense you're in. But my point is, it all comes from the same word, and it means encouragement, advocate, counselor, helper, one who is a comforter. It was also very, and this is important to understand too, to put it in context. It was also used in the legal profession. It was used basically as like a paralegal or a lawyer. Somebody who came to the defense of someone else. Someone who represented another person. Isn't that basically what an attorney or a lawyer does? They represent you, right? It's that same word. So they knew what that meant when it was written. It means that there was somebody advocating for you. And they recognized that in Barnabas. So they called him the son of encouragement. So what I want to do is I want to take three... Um, there's four up there. We're going to take it actually, all four of them, some of them all grouped together. These different interpretations of that same Greek word paraclete, because it can mean encourager, comforter, advocate, helper. They all kind of mean the same thing, different nuances. And I'm going to show how each of these applies to Barnabas from different passages of Acts. But then through each one, show just a very basic application and implication for us as followers of Christ. Because even if we don't necessarily have the true gift, the spiritual gift of encouragement, I think we'd all agree that we're all supposed to be encouraging of one another, aren't we? I mean, we've talked so much about the church, but I think it's important to focus on this one area that we are to be encouragers of each other. We've all been the recipients of a brother or sister putting their arm around us, encouraging us when maybe we're struggling with something. But then we can also pay that forward and have done that as well. So we are called to be like Barnabas, sons and daughters of encouragement. All right. So these different uh, nuances of the word paraclete or um, uh, encourager that describe Barnabas. All right. So the first one is this encourager or comforter and i'll give you a, a scripture that goes with it acts fifteen thirty nine. again you can look it up or it's right up there for you acts fifteen thirty nine. okay it says we just read it there's a sharp disagreement so they separated from each other but barnabas took mark with him and sailed away to cyprus so we know of course as i was talking about we just read it that barnabas saw something in mark And he wanted to encourage him. You know what? After this passage, and after Barnabas took Mark and they went on their way, do you know that we never hear from him again in Scripture? We don't hear from Barnabas again, really, in in, in all of Acts. So we know that they went on on a missionary journey, and later on, we actually also know that Paul and Barnabas must have reconciled. I'll show you a Scripture later that, that talks about that. But it's interesting that we're kind of saying goodbye to our friend Barnabas. He's been instrumental in the, um, in, in the early church all through the, the first 15 uh, chapters of Acts. But we don't see him anymore. So we kind of give like a little send-off to Barnabas and kind of look at some snippets in Scripture of what he did and how instrumental he was in the beginning of the early church. So first we're seeing from our passage today that Barnabas was an encourager, but also a comforter. Because he took Mark, who was probably a little discouraged, and he said, come with me, we're going to sail to Cyprus, we're going to go on our own journey. I believe in you. Has anybody ever said that to you? I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do it. I believe in you. That's what he was saying. To Mark, John called Mark. And so Barnabas gave this discouraged and perhaps even defeated young man a second chance. And his life as a servant of God was given a second chance. Aren't we thankful every day? 
for the fact that God is a God of second chances for us and third chances and fourth chances, right? Because God is long-suffering with us. So we should be like Barnabas because Barnabas saw something in Mark and he gave him a second chance. Perhaps a fault of Paul, you know. We don't know all the details, but Paul had this single focus and he said, Mark wasn't worthy. I don't want to bother with him. We're going forward. But Barnabas had a different take on it. He said, I see something in him. We'll give him a second chance. So he encouraged him. And then as we said earlier, Mark goes on to write that beautiful gospel all about the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So just think about it in this, in this context as an application for us. How many times have we seen fellow believers in the church maybe kind of fall by the wayside? They don't come out to church for a few weeks or you stop hearing from them or they just, they just look down and, and it looks like they're just kind of struggling in their walk with the Lord. Perhaps we have a natural tendency to kind of just avoid it or not want to find out what's going on. But as followers of Christ, being the church, we are called to invest in each other's lives, aren't we? It's not always easy. Sometimes it's messy being the church. But nevertheless, we are called to do that. So, the first thing is we are to be an encourager and a comforter to one another, just like Barnabas was to Mark, right? We are to display the grace of the Good Samaritan, doing the same thing that he did. Not to gossip, gossip, not to spread rumors about others, what's going on with them. But how about we give him a call? How about we write him a letter? We send him a text. We take him out for coffee and we encourage them and say, Brother, sister, how are you doing? We are to do that for one another. Can we agree to do that? We are supposed to do that as a church. And so as Trinity, we're supposed to be doing that for one another. The second thing, paraclete, right? It also means helper. So yes, it's encourager and comforter, like Barnabas was to Mark, but also a helper. And there's four or five passages I want to look at just quickly as we go through it. So Acts 4, 36-37, this is the first one. Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, this is when we first meet him, which means son of encouragement. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He sold a field that belonged to him, and he bought the money, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Do you remember that? Do you remember the other two, the husband and wife, who didn't have such good luck with that? Right? But we remember that when we met, when we met Barnabas way back in Acts chapter 4, it said that he did, he did what he was called to do and what he felt compelled to do. He had some land, he sold it, and he brought all the money, all the proceeds, right, to the disciples' feet. And so that was a great help to the church. We are called to not only be encouragers to each other and in a very personal way, but it also then blesses the church as a whole. You see, he was a helper to the church because he gave financially. We just reached our capital campaign goal of $10,000, right? We just went through that and, and I was just t- telling you how awesome it is, right? To see how generous our church is. We are helping each other. We do that in so many ways. Barnabas did the same thing. Because he sold the field and he brought all the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Because someone who has the gift of encouragement, who is a helper to the church, he or she promotes the work of God. They use their giftings and their talents to bless the church. Do you know that is why the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts? It is not for our own benefit. It is to bless and encourage the church. That is the main purpose of having spiritual gifts, that we would bless one another. It is for the benefit of the church, right? So we see from this very first meeting of Barnabas in Acts 4 that he is a man who gave of himself freely. Maybe we don't always give money, right? But we are to give in every different way, of any kind of resources we have. Also of our time, to give of our time, to one another, right? 
And so we can also learn that from Barnabas, that he was a helper to the church right from the beginning. That's how we meet him. He was an encourager and a helper because he brought financial stability to the church, right? We have to also strive to give of our time, our talents, so the church of God can prosper, not just financially, of course, but to prosper, meaning that we do what God has called us to do, to stay on mission. Remember, we're going through the book of Acts, the church on the unstoppable mission of Christ, to fulfill His mission. So we are to always be giving of ourselves and of our stuff, whatever that looks like for each of us, so we can be an encourager to one another. Also, how he was he a helper to the church? Acts 11, 21-24. It says this, The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Right? So they sent Barnabas to find out what was going on from Jerusalem to Antioch. When he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad. It was this brand new church in Antioch. When we told, talked about it, most of them were Gentile believers. And it says, and he exhorted them, which means he encouraged. He encouraged them all to do what? Remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For it says Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. That's why they gave him the nickname Barnabas, son of encouragement, because they knew they could see evidence that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And for him, the greatest evidence was that he was an encourager. And he was a helper. So not only did he sell a piece of land and give the money, but it also says when he went and he saw this new church, he encouraged them. And he said, you guys are doing great. Remain faithful and steadfast in the Lord. We need to do that with each other. I mean, don't we recognize that we get together here on Sunday on the first day of the week, Because we've had a long week, right? We're all out doing our own thing, living the lives that God has called us to live. But don't we need to gather back together as a church? Why? To worship together, to pray together, the fellowship to encourage each other. Because tomorrow, we go back out into the real world, as we say, right? But we need that refreshment, that encouragement. We get together often to do that. And that's what Barnabas did. But we should be doing that with each other as well. That when we see others who are walking with the Lord, we say, praise God for that. You're doing awesome. Just like my friend John who spoke here last week, he, you know, when he texted me, he was just like, your church is awesome, brother. That's what he said. Your church is awesome, bro. I was like, yeah, I know. That's great. But he was encouraged because you guys encouraged him. You see that? That was great. So we are to encourage one another just like Barnabas did to that young church in Antioch. Because we know that our words are powerful. Is that right? Our words are very powerful. What does it say in Proverbs 18.21? The tongue has the power of life and death. Isn't that amazing? Some strong words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have the ability to lift up or to tear down. We can do it with just simple words that we speak. And you know that once you speak words, you can't get them back, can you? Now, there's room for, there is room for repentance. There's room for apology. There's room for um, forgiveness. But still, words can certainly hurt. But they can also uplift and encourage we are to do that with one another. Look at Proverbs 16:24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Don't you love that? That's a great a great verse to memorize. Proverbs 16:24. I've memorized it, yes, so I'm going to read it. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Do you ever just have honey right out of a honeycomb? Awesome. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. That is what our words can be to one another. Another passage, Acts 13, 1-3. Again, we're looking at Barnabas. He's called the son of encouragement because they recognize the Holy Spirit in him. 
It says at the very beginning of Acts 13. Okay? Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, <clears throat> Lucius of Cyrene, Mani and a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. We went over this, remember? When they were, they were going to be commissioned for their first journey. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, who? Barnabas and Saul, who of course becomes Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So after fasting and praying, the church, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. All right? So, for us, what does this mean? No matter where we go in this world, we are always servants of Jesus Christ the Lord. Whether we're at home, we're at work, we're on vacation, wherever we are, we're here at church, we are God's servants, and we are to live and act accordingly. And we are to be encouragers and helpers to one another. I also take this to mean, you know what? If we're an encourager, it means we're available. Sometimes, sometimes it's so important just to be an ear to listen. All right? Like in a relationship, maybe you don't always have to be giving words of encouragement, but just by being there, right? By being there for somebody, especially when they're struggling, to be able to listen and to be there, that can also be a very profound way to be an encourager. So it says basically here that Barnabas and Paul, they were ready, willing, and able. They were available. Because the Holy Spirit said to them, to the church, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, because I'm going to call them out to work. So we need to be ready to be sent out by God whenever and wherever to be an encouragement to the church but also to bring that hope that we sang about earlier, the hope that's an anchor to our soul, to bring that hope outside these four walls to a world that is without hope. Amen to that? Amen. And so, again, we are to be encouragers, just like Barnabas. Moving on, a couple more. Acts twelve twenty-five. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service. Bringing with them John, whose name was Mark. Interesting. Right? That's when they had, yeah. So they returned back, but look at simply what it says. When did they return to Jerusalem? When they had completed their service. Another aspect of being an encourager and a helper to the church is that you finish the task at hand. God calls you to be involved in a ministry then you see it until the end, until God through the Spirit clearly calls you to move on, which He does. But you're given a task by God, right? Or if you agree to be a part of a ministry at church, let's say for example, then you do it with everything that you have. And you give it all of your encouragement. And you give it all of the wisdom that God gives you and all of that energy because God is calling you to do it. But you see it till its natural end, until God calls you on. And that's what he did. Just from that simple verse, it says, Barnabas and Paul, they returned when they completed their service, not earlier. And that's probably why Paul was a little, you know, disturbed with Mark, right? Because he thought he didn't complete the task. Oh, Mark quit. Mark was a quitter. He left early. So Paul wasn't having any of that. But Barnabas, we know, encouraged him, but he was a helper. Because he was available, and he was an encourager, and he gave of his resources in so many ways, and he saw things to the end. And then Acts 13, 49-52. Look at this aspect of Barnabas being an encourager. It says, The word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. This is passages we've been through already. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. Verse 51 says, But they shook off the dust from their feet against them, and they went on to Iconium. And the disciples there were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Not only did they see it to completion, whatever they were doing, they didn't give up. Perhaps, most of the time, we can show our level of devotion, and our willingness to be available and encourage others 
when we're facing persecution. When we are facing persecution, it's usually in the depth of a valley that we can show the true measure of our faith and how it is that we are responding to God's call in our life, right? So, we want to be an encouragement to those around us, even if, even if we find ourselves in a valley, even if we find ourselves struggling with whatever it might be, we are to be an encouragement to one another. I'm going to give you a practical application. I have shared many times up here from stage and in conversations about struggles that I have had with depression going back many years and what that looked like in my life and things that it taught me about my relationship with the Lord and what he did. And I'd be glad to share that again with anybody who hasn't heard it, who wants to know more. But you know, when you go to a counselor and always make it please a Christian counselor, if you need to go to one, you go to a counselor, one of the first things that a counselor or even a physician will tell you, if you're suffering with depression, they'll say, go help someone else. Go be in service to somebody. Why? Because it takes the focus off yourself. Go serve in a soup kitchen or, or hand out clothes at the Goodwill or, or help somebody mow their lawn or whatever it is. Because when you're in the throes of something like depression, all you're doing is focusing on yourself. Naturally, that's what happens. And so one way to start working out of that with the help of the Lord and the Holy Spirit is to start even though it might be difficult, the last thing you want to do, you start encouraging other people. If you're in the throes of a trial, what do we do? We're praying, God, help us. Help me. Help me. Help me. That's okay. But how about we say, God, help me. And then you spend the rest of your time praying for other people. You go through your prayer journal. You're on that prayer list that we're setting up. And you go through them, praying for people, calling people. How are you doing? What happened with that prayer request? Put your focus elsewhere right that was a big part of what barnabas did he was a help to the church and he encouraged others even when he himself listen even when he himself was facing persecution he still was an encouragement to others what a great testimony and finally the third one The paraclete, the helper, the counselor, the encourager is also an advocate. That's another nuance of that word, of that Greek word. Isn't that awesome? We tend to have, like in our English language, like a word means a word, right? But we know in other languages, especially Greek and the Hebrew, like one word can mean so many things, like love, right? There's like so many different nuances of that. The same thing here with paraclete. It can also mean an advocate or a counselor. So when Jesus Christ says that I need to, it's it's good that I go away because I'm going to send you the advocate. That means the one who is going to advocate on your behalf and the Father. Jesus is our advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate before the Father. What does an advocate do? You represent someone else. You come alongside someone else, don't you? It's sort of that legal meaning that I gave you before. You know, I've noticed that um, that as we as we help our relatives who are getting older and maybe going to the hospital more and going to doctors more, I've learned more and more. Maybe you've learned this long time ago that, especially within our healthcare system, that people need to have an advocate, don't they? I mean, there's even people you can actually get, maybe pay for or whatever. Sometimes it's free to get. But I feel like if you go with like a family member to the doctor or whatever, you need an advocate. Maybe you go to a few different doctors and they're all prescribing different medicines and maybe you're not feeling good or whatever. You can't keep track of it. You need an advocate, somebody to stand there with you to make sure that everything is being done correctly. Am I right? And so... We all need an advocate in different areas of life, and so that is a part of being an encourager. Just like Barnabas was, the son of encouragement, he was an advocate. And look at what he did. Acts chapter 9, 26 and 27. When he had come to Jerusalem, meaning Paul, we're going back to what happened with Paul, 
Paul attempted to join the disciples, if you remember that. And they were all afraid of him. They were afraid of Paul. Because remember what Paul used to do, right? He was a persecutor of the church. So now he's this zealous Christian. He did a 180. And he's like, hey, I'm here to join you guys. And the disciples are like, hold up. We don't trust you yet, right? And so it says, they were afraid of him. For they didn't believe that he was truly a disciple. But look at what it says in verse 27. Who shows up? Barnabas took him, meaning Paul, brought him to the apostles and declared to them. He gave testimony. He was an advocate for Paul about how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he, meaning Paul, had preached boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. So Barnabas sees this guy, Paul. Barnabas is already a believer. Barnabas was already well known in the church, in the young church, as a as a man who had the gift of encouragement. So here comes Paul, right? Who obviously turns out to be the great leader of the church. And, and they're not even accepting him. So Barnabas says, hold on. I can be this guy's advocate. I saw it happen. I know what happened to him on the road to Damascus. You can trust me. So they heard Barnabas said it. They said, all right, we trust you, Barnabas. Because he gave testimony. Oftentimes in life, we're called on to give testimony for other people, aren't we? Maybe it's even signing something on a piece of paper. You know, you get a call because your friend is going to a job interview and they put you down as a reference, right? And they call you and they want to know. And you're like, man, I guess I got to, should I tell the truth about him or what? No, I'm just telling you. But we're supposed to be an advocate. Right? An advocate to stand up for somebody and give a testimony for one of our brothers or sisters in the Lord. So we also need, just like Barnabas did, to make every effort to reach out to those around us. Perhaps even those who might be in a tough spot like Paul was. Maybe even somebody like we looked at earlier who is maybe lonely or being rejected by others. Doesn't God so many times in His Word the New and the Old Testament talk about how the church is to take care of the poor and needy. Right? But it starts with those among us. It starts with those among us that we are to care for those who are in need, to be an encourager in so many ways. Barnabas did it all. He sold a field and gave money. He gave of his time. He gave of his, his spiritual gifting and talent to encourage others. He was available. He was willing to come alongside others to be a testimony. So the question for us this morning is, are we living the life for Christ like Barnabas did? Are we willing to be sons and daughters of encouragement? If you've been given a nickname in your life, does that nickname aptly describe you? And have you ever been given a name or a nickname that says things that you're doing for the Lord? You know, just look at your life and take an account. I mean, in a few minutes, we're going to have the opportunity to, to, uh, to come together around the Lord's table, right? As we take the elements, we always say it's a time to remember the Lord and to reflect, right? To reflect on our own heart and our relationship with God and with others. That's a good time to do that and say, God, am I being an encourager to the people around me, especially to those in the church, those that I love most. For we know that even within our church, but outside these four walls especially, there are plenty of people who are lonely, who are rejected, who are feeling like they are outcast, feeling like they're not worthy of anything. So you could be a great encouragement to someone today. You could be an encourager just like Barnabas and maybe even go out of your way to make that phone call or send that text, or send that email, invite somebody out to coffee, whatever it looks like, to encourage a brother or sister. So that is what Barnabas can really teach us. And uh, I want to end with two passages of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-11. through 11. I'll read it quickly. But um, if you're familiar with this passage, this is all about what's called the day of the Lord. It is the future. It is our great hope, right? 
It is our great hope about the fact that the Lord Jesus said He would return for us, and we trust that He will. We trust that He will. And when He does, called the day of the Lord, right? That, man, we are to look forward to that. That is something we should set our minds on. Does Scripture not tell us to set our minds on things above, where Christ is, right? And not here, just on our present? But as... Listen, as the church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, our greatest encouragement to one another is to say, yes, you might be going through a trial now, but praise God, because one day Jesus is going to return. And He's going to come back for us. That is our great encouragement, our great hope. So the greatest thing we can do to encourage one another, no matter what the situation, is to remind each other of this passage Concerning the times and seasons, brother, you have no need uh, of anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. No. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, no, but to obtain salvation to the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that we that whether we are awake or asleep at that time, we might live in Him. In verse 11, therefore, he says therefore, meaning because of everything I just reminded you of, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. He's saying keep doing it. You know why? Because the day of the Lord is approaching. What we might call the rapture. That day when Jesus comes back for us as church, we look forward to that day. So we say to receive our glorified bodies and to be with Him. We look forward. That's our great hope. So no matter what we may be going through, we can encourage each other with the very least with this and say yes and remember. Remember what Jesus said. That He's coming back for us. These momentary light afflictions, right? These momentary light afflictions are nothing compared to this for we are children of the light children of the day so therefore with that truth we should be encouraging one another and lastly hebrews 10 24 to 25 in the same vein it sums it all up let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but there it is again, encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. The day we just read about. So again, it's saying in Hebrews, encourage one another to do good works for the Lord. To take that salvation and live it out. Encourage each other to do it. Why? Because we know that one day Christ is returning for His church and don't we want to have Him find us being about his business and encouraging each other, especially as that day approaches. So, church, the greatest way to encourage each other is to remind one another of that truth that the Lord Jesus is returning. But for those of you who are joined us this morning, and perhaps you're searching and have not yet given your life or surrendered your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and recognize him as who he says he is, the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father, gets reconciled to God the Creator, but through him. If you're here and you're still searching, maybe you're doubting and you don't know that to be the truth, then the great encouragement to you is that Jesus Christ said that he was the Messiah, that he came for the forgiveness of sins, and that means your sins that Jesus Christ is the perfect and best advocate for you.
before the Father. You see, Scripture is very clear that in our humanity, in our flesh, we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, which means very simply, we cannot earn our own salvation. We can never do enough good works to save ourselves from our own sin. You see that? We need an advocate. And so God, we deserve wrath. God, in His goodness and His mercy and His graciousness, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to take our place on the cross, to take upon Himself our guilt and our shame so that we can have this hope we've been talking about. We can be encouraged that we then have life and life eternal with Him, but only, only through Christ. Not Christ plus our works, but Christ and Christ alone. For we are saved by grace through our faith in Christ alone. And that is the beauty of what we call the Gospel. And that has to be the most encouraging thing, the most encouraging words that anybody that is searching could ever hear. That a God, an almighty God who created the heavens and the earth and created you and me, loves us enough to be able to reconcile us to Himself through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because in our sin, we've been separated from God. But the only way to be reconnected to Him is through Christ. And that is the greatest encouragement of all. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for uh, the powerful Word that You have for us this morning. God, that even in this, um, this story of Paul and of Barnabas, we can see what we have before us, what we are called to be. God, You want us all to be like Barnabas, encouraging each other even if we have not been given that true gift of encouragement, God, You want each of us to to recognize that there's power in our words, power in our words to lift each other up, to remind each other of the day of the Lord that's approaching, and shouldn't we be joyous with hearts full of thanksgiving because of it? God, help us to do that. Help us to be an advocate for those that need it, that we would be a helper to our church That we would be an encourager to those who are downcast and those who need to be lifted, encouraged, and told that they are loved and valued. God, that's how you answer prayers is through other people. God, help us to be an answer to prayer for somebody else. That we would be a great encouragement, always available just like Barnabas was for you and for your works. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to